Hello, everyone. My name is Samawi. Welcome to the Insights Association North Atlantic Chapter's new podcast, DEI Matters. This new podcast series will discuss all things DEI within the Insights community, and we hope you'll join us for some insightful, challenging, and fun conversations that will motivate you. Today, I'll be co-hosting the session with Amy Santo Pietro. And this is our first live podcast. We intend to do a few more throughout the year, so stay tuned. Please feel free to use the chat box to type in any questions you may have, and we'll do our best to incorporate them in our discussion or address them. Thank you. Welcome, everyone. So during today's discussion, we are incredibly excited to be speaking with Dominique Irvin and Kai Fuentes. Both have a wealth of experience in the DEI space and in instituting DEI measures into their organizations. And so without further ado, I'm going to kick it over to Dominique and let her introduce herself. Hi, everyone. Thank you, Amy. Uh, my name is Dominique Irvin. And first of all, just happy to be here having this conversation with y'all. And if you hear that, that's the Southern Inflect. I'm from New Orleans, Louisiana. So there will be lots of y'alls in this conversation. Um, but I have been in some aspect for about 15 years. Um, I'm trained to do both qual and competent role. I'm focusing on quality company division of directions. And both there and as DEI or multicultural work, um, as we also call it in various industries. And I'm also uh, vice president CEO of Culture, which is an organization for professionals to just network, um, fellowship, and upskill with one another. And among the many things that drives conversations across the industry. To Kai. Hey, Kai, everybody. I'm Kai Fuentes, I'm president and CEO of Ebony Marketing Systems. We're a multicultural market research firm specializing in qualitative research. A lot of the work that we do is in different languages, um, and we deal primarily with the market. Um, I am also um, part of Culture MRX. I'm one of the uh, founding members, proud founding members of this very awesome organization that's bubbling this world. So thanks for having us. All right. So before we get started, I think we wanted to call out a few of our sponsors today. So I'm going to let our chapter president, uh, Rich Radcliffe, go ahead and tell us about the great organizations that are enabling us to do this work. Thank you, Amy. Uh, Rich Radcliffe, uh, chapter president, Atlantic chapter. And I am so psyched that we're able to uh, this this podcast with the some of the members of Culture MRX. With that said, uh, let's talk about some of the annual sponsors that allow for it to exist and allow for us. To, that is Zappi, Forsta, Digital Research, and AMS. Uh, all of these companies are annual sponsors of the chapter itself. And we really, we also have a DEI Matters sponsor uh, that is Communications for Research. So without further ado, thank you very much, sponsor. So to kick off our conversation today, I think we wanted to talk about what does DEI mean to you? And obviously, diversity, equity, inclusion are three big, thorny words, and they might mean many things. So Dominique, I'm going to ask you first, what does that mean to you? And feel free to talk about all three or just one aspect if it's particularly uh, resonant to you in your work today. Well, it's funny that you said that. Um, I'm actually in one of our latest DEI projects right now. And one of the things that we really had to have a kind of an educational moment with with our client was the equality and equity. So equity is one that sticks out most to me since that was part of your question. And the fact that those two things and that really what we're in a Black peace country. But just going back to what this means to me overall, it's just the active, purposeful, intentional action of acknowledging, seeing, respecting 
all the various people that exist in this country. And race tends to be kind of the default when we talk about DEI, but we abled. We should also be talking about the LGBT plus community as well. So, you know, just want to make sure that we're bringing everyone for the ride with us. You know, as they say, you know, you can ask people to the party. What are you asking? Them? So just having to act in the decisions and conversations that are happening. And Ty, what do you think? What is it? What does diversity, equity and inclusion mean to you and in your work? Yeah, well, I I think Dominique hit it on the head, really, that it diversity, equity, inclusion goes beyond just black and white or people of color. It's, I agree with this, the LGBTQ plus community, it's older generations, it's younger generations, it's everybody having the same. So if I walk into a a place and somebody else walks into a place that does not look like me, maybe they're older, maybe they're white, maybe they're not, whatever the case that may be, right? We walk into the place and we still have the same opportunity as each other does. And I think that's really what it boils down to is that we're all on the same, but unfortunately that has not been the case for so long, but hopefully we're making steps and putting action behind these plans to move forward. And that's really the, the key here. Action. We can talk DEI all we want. But what's what's happening? What's the action? Thanks so much, Kai. And that's such a great segue to our next question, which is, how did you begin your work in the DAs? I think as Black people, we come out the womb doing work. And (laughs) quite honestly, that's our our life. Yeah, that's our lot. Like we've been, you know, so we're fighting for certain things. And my grandmother fought for certain things and her grandmother's grandmother fought for certain things and da 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 And each generation, we're pushing the envelope a little bit, right? So I've been in this game over 35 years. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but, but <laughs> I, I, I'll, answer, I, I'll answer the question. I won't be fresh. I'll answer the question. <laughs> my grandma was a fresh, that's a fresh response, Kai. But let me give the other response. Um, as an owner um, that only does multi, it just, right, mm-hmm. that, you know, ethnic population. All of that definitely does spill in work with, for example, a recall, a simple effort in pushing the envelope for clients to pay respondents the same, each race paid the same amount of money. In my mind, that goes, that's a check off to the, right? So folks that are listening, um, back in the day, clients would pay general market, which is white consumers, a different amount of incentive than they did people of color. And that was unfair. And um, so what we started doing at Ebony was that we started giving pushback to that. Like, no, why is, why are everybody's on? So that was kind of like the beginning of doing DEI work, but it wasn't because I was like, oh, I just, I just want to do this. I'm forced into it. Yeah. It, I was having the exact same thought when you, um, to what Kai said when you asked that question, um, because again, just mirroring some very real conversations I've been having over the past couple of weeks within my organization with my clients, but now the I feel like the term DEI is kind of a newer thing, but the work has for quite some um and it kind of ebbs and flows and how much we focus on the quote unquote DEI work. Maybe that's a later question or a later conversation. But you know, it's in my view, it's not something that should be ebbing and flowing. It's continuously, but looking back, it's something that I've been doing over the course of my entire career. Um, you know, talking to, you know, black and brown populations. Um, I spent a lot of work with the um with the senior community doing healthcare work. That was a big focus, um, lower socioeconomic status. So basically for the tea of my career, happy and both privileged. Thank you both. And it's it's really interesting to hear you speak about DEI as something that you kind of ad- adopted naturally, um, kind of by default or out of a requirement and necessity in, in both of your careers. 
And so I'm curious, you know, there might be some, some people who are listening today who are not in that position. And so what would your advice be in terms of getting started with DEI? Somebody has no idea where to start. You know, what, what are some of the, the early wins or first steps can take in terms of incorporating DEI into, into their work or their organizations? You have to, first of all, you, you have to be, and it takes courage to do this work. This work is not for the committed and you have to get comfortable with being un- and that's one of the things that I see happen, and I've seen it happen a lot across my career, is that we're not even starting from that very principle of taking stock of yourself, taking stock of your organization. What is your, how many color are in your organization? How many differently? It's literally won't, don't even want to share that. So if you can't even acknowledge on your doors, how can you say that you as an organization are, you know, championing? championing, you know, DEI and trying to make things better, you first have to acknowledge what you have. And there has to be clarity and also one of the things is that you have to do your own. You cannot just sit at Black people or elderly people, whomever, and just sit there and say, oh, teach me and just sit there and expect them to do all the work. You have to do your own. So even if you do hire mine, you hire C, what work have you been doing? On your multi, what work have you been doing to educate yourself about the consumers that you are there? You have to do work, do the research, read the articles, talk to the people, and you're actually there's not when you're talking to people who are not very to. And unfortunately, again, I said this happening where it's like if it's not your dismiss in this work, you do not have. That was a mic drop, Dominique. Um, you're right. You have to do, and you have to see what you're doing. Operations. I would even take it. A, a step further and say that you have to somebody you have to change your thinking the dial of like your mind right I'm a big believer that if you change your thoughts patterns so I would say step further and changing stereo and catching when that's happening if you're in an elevator and a, and a black man walks in the elevator and be honest are you clutching and if you are why do you that what is that you know so changing the dial of thoughts are so powerful another thing is personal who are your friends like even outside the business because that's you know who are you who are you going to grab a beer do they look like you that's okay if they do but you should have other people in your immediate you know camp as they like to say that don't look that's okay and that's a good thing so shifting your think it begins with initially that's where people thank you both yeah that's really powerful is to sort of take that lens and and become more cognizant of what's happening. And, and so as you've been working within the DEI space, what are the biggest challenges that you faced when discuss, conducting DEI projects with clients? Well, they're hitting all, on the head of all the things that I'm literally dealing with right now. <laughs> <laughs> and this is a client's with as well. It's just that everyone, unfortunately, be on the or in place DEI journey. And that is something that we enable you know, to have those stations, but sometimes who are not. And one of the most difficult things that I've been kind of going back to what I mentioned earlier. So into, I think we all know that sometimes clients come in with their own like notions, right? Of like things that they want to hear or hope to hear. But when you're trying to do that, when doing DEI work, to me at least, it's harmful because you delicate situations. And it's not the same as if you're questioning you know, if we're working on toilet paper, questioning that or questioning the concern that is not the same when you're dealing with DEI and we're talking about people's very life. And there's a difference in question, understand and questioning this. And I've been dealing with a lot of questions that are 
being dismissive people's stories. Again, that's not the perspective. So I had two clients of color, Black, and so I spent a lot of Black life because well, no, that that can't just, you know, we're also talking to men too. Well, because of have a very special relationship with race due to the impact of chattel slavery. And but I'm literally getting this pushback of that kid is it's not that well, I don't think that person was being racist. They were probably just, you know, filling the blank. What you were what the class was dismissing your story. They're very long. And so just and again going back to like not their own work. Or not, you know, it took a lot. It was a very mental and emotional lift to bring the client along that part of the journey with us because it's like, I understand you have to, it's not, it's not true. You have to, it's vulnerable. It's difficult to admit that you don't know something, but when you're doing work, you have to be open to the fact that. Okay. I want to hear the same question from you, but um, before we move off of Dominique, I am curious. You said it was a huge mental lift. Is there something that finally and click for the clients? Is, is there, you know, was there a, a saying of something, a moment and experiences that, you know, can you talk about how you finally kind of got them come along with you? One uh, aspect of the conversation where like part of it, um, so like we're having that conversation about like, you can't just be all racist. So think of racism as an right. And every fact falls so job patient because the client was kind of a little silo. Like this is the umbrella that literally every aspect of all of those little, si- those things aren't happening. And that was once where finally I kind of saw the light bulb, you know, kind of go, oh, yeah, it's like, because that hadn't been his experience. You know, he was a man of color, but he's country, just wasn't aware of those things. The time had on his own some of them. So it was a bigger lift. Essentially, I was having to go back to the very beginning. <laughs> Like we're literally having conversations, slavery and the impact on this country and like literally step by step, like, because that just simply hadn't been. So his inclination was to push back and say, well, no, that has the world. And that's where I had to say, this is their experience. So now, Kai, I'm curious, have you seen similar challenges in your work and, or, you know, these could be projects too. It doesn't necessarily need to be limited to DEI work, you know, in just types of um, market research that you're doing on behalf of your clients, what are some of the challenges um, or pushback that you get um, in terms of making sure you're infusing DEI into the Yeah. Well, I mean, my company is, that's all we do is multicultural work. So, you know, we get pushback a lot from cost about cost. Why does this cost so well? Multicultural research, if you want to speak to an unacculturated mother in Brooklyn, you know? Um, so I think what we run is um, just a, just a cost barrier that can't people that come to us already, what they're getting in. We've been in a pretty blessed position in that way, where if you're coming to Ebony, then you already, okay, I'm dealing with, um, but it's re- a barrier has really been cost and getting them to buy, in, you know, why this, oh, and why does it cost more? Well, is that your next question? Yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, I'll, I'm Go a ahead. qualitative girl. So I'll just real quick, because it's, um, it's cost more because if we're doing inline, let's say for the AAPI population, multicultural, which falls under, if we're speaking to the Vietnamese, if we're doing that, then that costs, reach out to them, you get them to come to a focus group. Half these people don't even know what market research is. So we spend a lot of time convincing them that it's okay, get on the okay and confidentially. So that's one of the things that we have to end up selling on. Like why does it, us recruiting a white soccer mom group? Um, and it's because it's, it's, there's, le, le, uh, there's extra level of recruitment and checks and and something else that happens, I've been in situations where two different teams in an organization, per se, also on different parts of the journey, 
or there's a lot of concern for how share the insights that are or trying to just blatantly like one sound and say that that's what it is and so you know I'm a big believer in work just in life that there may not always be a good way to say or do something but there's always still sometimes you find yourself really having to defend your consumers and defending and protecting your insights because there's only so many ways you can try to make something more palatable like it just it simply is what it is and that's part of having those conversations with clients, just trying to, again, get them to understand, like, this is not going to be easy. It's not going to be to say you have to give up, but you're doing yourself and your consumers a disservice if you are continuing to drill down the insights or water down what they've said under this guise of having to make it more palatable for another. Thank you, Dominique. Yeah, it sounds like a big challenge of the work is just creating a safe space for the clients to be uncomfortable and explore these conversations and really question not what they think is happening, but what's actually happening so that they can confront the reality of where they are and where they need to be and what that gap is. And sometimes confronting the reality is very uncomfortable. Mm. And that's part of the, that's part of the piece too, right? So folks would say, you know, to Dominique's that journey, some people may say, oh my God, not deep in the neophyte, but that's okay. Because at least, at least you're acknowledging it. And that goes back to the self-awareness. So then if once you're able to bring that to your, your conscious, then you can start thinking, you do that, then you do that, then things start changing and and it just becomes a domino. Mm -hmm. We become what we think about. We attract our, our thoughts are attract. We attract things. That's just the law of the law of attraction. So I'm curious to hear what are some pitfalls that maybe you both went through that now you know to avoid or can advise others on their work with DEI or maybe they're unavoidable. I think that's probably the better, the better setup is unavoidable. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's okay to make mistakes. And do you know what I mean? Like a part of it is it's okay to make mistakes. And when you do own it, I have made in, you know, in my own, in my own, I mean, um, can I give you, can I give you an example? Yeah, I will. I was, I have a five-year-old, I was playground a couple of weeks ago, actually. And there was a little girl. So I told my son, I said, move out, move out the way so she can go down the slide. And, and then I said, did you tell the little girl excuse like that? The parent came, that was really offensive. My child does not identify as a girl. I was like, okay, I'm okay. I'm sorry. I was like, how, I was like, and how should I handle that? And I felt bad and I was a little embarrassed and I was like, okay, well, so then I asked and I was like, I'm so sorry. I was like, I am still pronoun when to say what and when not to say what and neophyte and you help me. They said, yeah, well, next time just say they, cause you don't know. Cause it was, um, I guess it was ambiguous gender. So I assumed that it was, it wasn't, it was a little boy. So anyway, um, I inserted foot and owned it. And uh, I I address it. So that's just one example. It's okay to figure out how to think again. And you may make the same mistake again. I may make the same, but it's now that I'm, I am changing my own thought, how I'm dialing my level of that. That is such a, a great story. Thank you for sharing that. And that was kind of things that I was going to say that have been stewing in my mind as well. This, that there's these walls that are kind of up as this defense mechanism because wants to be seen as wrong. No one wants work. And if there is somebody who is doing this work that has never made a mistake, never said, please point because it's just, it's not going to happen. And part of that honesty, part of that openness is 
giving yourself grace, giving the people around you grace as you are all in this journey. And to Kai's point, you have to have the wherewithal to have that accountability. You know, I myself have been in situations and seeing things where people on my team have said something and someone else from the team, like, you know, in love, kind of tapped them on the shoulder and said, you know, that wasn't the best use of language. That wasn't that wasn't a term that we use anymore. Language evolves, language changes. And I have seen members of my own get back on teams or send out an email. And you know what? It was brought in that I said X and that that was no longer, you know, something that I should be saying. And that was not my attention. Um, just knowing that you're not going to be perfect on this journey and that you're not going to be able to learn if you are preoccupied with not wanting to be seen as wrong, you're going to be wrong. But you know what, Dominique, piggyback off off of that as a society, we have to, we'll have to show ourselves grace, but then we have to show each other. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people are afraid of getting it wrong because they're going to get kicked. Nobody wants, so nobody wants to say the wrong thing, but then it's like, what comes first, the chicken or the egg? Are you going to say the wrong thing and we give you grace? You're not going to say anything at all. And we don't give you like, do you know what I mean? So it's like this round Robin of, well, uh, uh, how am I, what am I doing? So I think that as a society, we, we should all kind of dial into the fact that we all need to, mm-hmm. we're all going to, we're all going to, yeah, we're, we're going to mess up. I'm several in our several points, but that's and, to me where the accountability comes. Yeah. yeah. True. Um, I, I have to go back to my old, you know, PR days. Uh, you know, I talked <laughs> about that because it's like, sometimes just from a place of, instead of doubling, like so many doubled because again, they're like, they just be wrong. And you know, it's been my experience that an sincere the expression, you don't do that thing, it goes up. And sometimes that's just not happening. I love that. And also, you know, when you're apologizing, we will, don't make the apology. It's not about you. It's about the other people. It's about the other. It's about all of these things. So yeah, when you're, because I've had folks apologize to me about they said before, and then they're crying. I'm like, what? Well, what happened? Why are you crying? Mm-hmm. And I understand maybe they're upset and they should be able to express that. I was here for it all, but it's like, well, now we're making this about you and not mm-hmm. about me. And so when you're, pop- it's okay to cry if you're being said you can't <laughs> cry, but yeah, show emotion, but it's not about. That's so great. And I, I wanted to kind of uh, follow on that and, and, you know, thinking about, about your individual organizations, organizations you've, you've worked for, you know, we've talked a lot about um, feeling responsibility and some ownership of your own work, but how do you motivate others within your organization? How do you encourage those who you work with or those who you're doing work on behalf for, um, to take some of that responsibility for spearheading, you know, DEI? Is that something that you can do? You can, uh, we have a couple of different DEI teams in an but it just goes back. Like, what we, do you have to, I can't, I, I can't make you do it. You know, I I wish I could. <laughs> you know, I can't grab you by the ankles and say whether you like it or not. This, but I think it just goes back again to having those open conversations. Um, I'm at this point, I'm a professional boat rocker, so I ask the <laughs> so I ask the questions. You know, I voice my opinion. You know, and thankfully I have had me for advice and you know how should we? It's, it's unfortunately share mention there's definitely been for other people it's like I separate yeah and, and me it's it's I have a little bit of a unique situation because I am the owner so um and our whole team is multicultural so we're all on the same page <laughs> we're all on the same page we're all people of color um you know different places in our lives but uh, so we all know what needs to be done but I can tell you uh, from another 
for me, I just proclaim how better my life is because it's filled with different and my life is so much more. You don't, you don't need 10 Kai's and right. One Kai, one Pharaoh. And here we are. And we have, you have a beautiful, so all these different that we're bringing to the table create a beautiful. And I think that telling folks that your life is so much better when it's filled with other, that's one thing by doing. Thanks Kai. That's such a beautiful metaphor. Um, and so for organizations that are smaller, do you have any advice for resources that, you know, in your opinion, are really necessary to implement that would support a DEI strategy? For smaller organizations? Yeah. Yes. They might not have as many resources or as many people. Well, you know, a lot of folks are doing, are, are going for DEI certification or going for DEI classes. They offer tons of those online. Um, some are free. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a, that's a simple Google search. Go ahead and search that. And I think that that would be a good place to start. Smaller organizations and smaller, again, smaller organizations should also change their thinking. Who is in their organization? Does everybody look alike in that organization? How can they, how can they change their thinking? I think also resources is resources with each other, right? So I think a great resource is doing a month lunch and learn with your fellow colleagues. Even if you all look okay. I think starting there, just use yourselves as if you're a small organization, you don't have budget or you don't, have, and I get that, um, you know, you could start off just with yourselves and even just bringing that again to your conscience changes the, the, the dial of the club. A sign. Thank you. I just realized I was on mute. I would encourage anyone who is listening to, if you have any questions for our amazing uh, panelists to put them into the chat, but I just wanted to ask one final question um, before we pose it to our listeners today. And that's, can both of you talk about a time where you've seen a change in output that's really been noticeable or impactful based on some DEI work that you've done on behalf of either clients or even within your organization? Well, that's it. Um, so let me understand. I'm getting, what have we seen that has been impactful in our in our DEI work. Yes, exactly. Hmm. In terms of output or just? It could be, it could be either. It could be something that's changed within the organization that really impactful or effective or something you've seen in a change in like client work. You know, it could be anything from very small tweaks to broad scale changes in a go-to-market strategy that you've seen. Mm -hmm. Well, I'll say within the organization, um, those lunch and learns that I just mentioned, we did that at Ebony. We do that even though we're all people of color, but we still are, we still have so many layers, you know, yeah, there's, it's very layered, even though we're all folks of color, you know, we're still learning about each other's traditions and culture. AAPI folks want to know, you know, what black folks Thanksgiving, AAPR folks, what do you guys do? You know, those kinds. So I've known um, just by having conversations and creating these safe spaces for us to talk about culture. What are you doing? How do you approach this? And what are we doing right? What are we, so I've, that's one thing that I, I, like I said, I mentioned, I think a project, they're out there. <laughs> <laughs> they're out there. They exist. But you're, you know, you're kind of Fox in that progressing for Vin yet they're probably like, you know, just try to get some feedback on how, um, but just stay back the into the past hard road with others. I love that Dominique also, you know, about, inc- and, you know, I forgot we did that too. It's, it's funny when you hear somebody else speak, you're like, oh yeah, we did that too. Mm-hmm. In terms of adding inclusive language to, you know, our screeners and to our moderators, guys, ourselves also. Yeah. That's great. 
So we do have one question that's come to the chat as we've been speaking, and that's how would you respond to someone who places more emphasis on equality as opposed to, and how do you shift that conversation? The first thing, another conversation I had to have with a client, the Mangoti, and y'all have probably seen this example as well. You, know, you walk up a baseball, I am barely five, so when I use the example of like, like myself, box, I still, I'm shorter than my box, but I, my box and so many equity. And after it gets like, oh, again, and then, so you first have to make their pushback and feedback, get them to kind of cross that line with you. But first you got, I'm not following up with that answer is Dominique and that X beyond perfect. What if Dominique, that was, that was powerful. I'm not following up with that because. So in that case, I haven't seen any additional questions come through. Um, so, but before we leave. Uh, Kai, Dominique, anything else that you want to mention that we didn't necessarily get to today or do, that you think would put a, a nice kind of end cap on, on our conversation today, understanding that a conversation that should, and you know, continue as possible? I would say don't just log off and say, hey, I saw, I, I did this great, you know, webinar today this, or never or feel like people that are listening and that are still watching. your next step now and your next step is having, and your next step, if you're already having, that's great. Have more. Have deep. That's great. You're doing that. Excellent. Now start incorporating that in your. If you're doing that, continue that and tell other. Well, see, now the tables have turned because I mean, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> nah, girl, you say something. <laughs> it's just I think it's not. You're not. I don't. There's that's our job. We don't change. Like use the Nike. Just do it. Just do it. Do it anyway. And I think knowing everybody's on this, even though some people are further along, some people are not as far along. That's okay. But as long as you, you know, you're on it. So being prepared to just do it, just do it. And just start. I think that a lot of paralysis. Well, wait, well, which way do I go? And what do I do? Just to kind of this podcast and go to somewhere or here, go ask Google. Google's right there. <laughs> like that is the most basic thing. You just type in a question and learn, read a book, talk to someone that you've never talked to before in your organization. Take action. It's base hits. For those who watch, but not going to hit a home run. <laughs> and like I said, I'm on my own journey. You know, like I shared the the story with uh, the pronouns and gender, and I'm I'm on that journey. I'm trying to um, educate myself and have conversations. So I can be that I'm a black woman. We all have. That's great. Well, I wanted to thank you both so much for your time today. This has been really insightful. Um, we really appreciate uh, your time and your commitment to this work on behalf of both your organizations and all of the clients. Um, and other uh, people who you touch in their lives. So just thank you so, so much. No, thank you for inviting for having us. Thank you. Absolutely. The honor is all ours. Thank you. Go ahead, Farah. Oh, I was just saying thank you both. So I, I just need to do some admin stuff. The sponsorship. I think the thing that saw with is the DEI process very much is be part of, regardless, I see the same. I've been enlightened through this process. And keep being, I really, starting our DEI matters. You've been amazing guests. To, to, Go as uh, deep as you do the conversation. My responsibility, sit back and just let you do your thing. And for the host as well, to and Farah, thank you so much for being who you are in this process. With that, I wanted to very quickly speak to our sponsors that brought this to the airwaves, that being Zappy, Forsta, Digital Research, AMS, and our specific sponsor for the DEI Matters podcast, a community, communications for research opportunities, a platform for people to grow in themselves that last for across, especially in this podcast. So thank you. Thank you. And thank as well, all the attendees and the questions and the comments. It's been great to, to watch that. 
Thank you so much. Thank you, everyone.